right, guys. Welcome to the Rigo's Rag Podcast. What is up? What is happening? We are gathering here today after the Redskins' second preseason game. Unfortunately, they are 0-2, but remember, this is just the preseason, so the results don't really matter. What we're really looking for is growth in the young players. Today, I'm your host, Jacob Kaminker. I'm making my return for my second job hosting this. Our normal host, Ian Cummings, is also on board with me here. Uh, it'll be the two of us talking today, and uh, we'll go through all the good stuff happening with the Redskins. But uh, first of all, Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jacob. I'm doing great. I, I just got to say, you are even better the second time. Love the energy, man. Yeah, you know, I'm just like, I got to roll with it because we just decided 30 seconds ago that I was going <laughs> to do the intro, and I, I was ready for it. I was ready for it today. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's a lot to be excited about today and a lot to talk about as well. I mean, I know the Redskins lost. But that second preseason game, we saw something important, and that was growth. And that growth in particular came from Dwayne Haskins, team's rookie first-round pick, 15th overall. He looked better in his second preseason game than he did in his first, and by a wide margin. And, uh, Ian, I know you were really happy with how Haskins performed in last night's game. So uh, why, why don't you tell me about why you were happy about that and what you liked about Haskins' Yeah, yeah. You know, the box score won't do him a ton of justice. I mean, it was it was a it's a good performance for a rookie in his second game, seven for 14, I think 117 yards and a touchdown, you know, but in the first week, uh, we saw him trying to use his arm talent to force plays a lot. Uh, That was how one of the interceptions happened trying to force it over the top. Uh, But this week, he was a lot more calm, a lot more composed. And he was letting plays play out. And he was really a lot more methodical. And also, uh, he had a good, he had a better command of the line with his hard count. There weren't any false starts. A lot more chemistry there. He drew a lineman offsides uh, for a, a neutral zone infraction penalty uh, with his hard count. And he also, I saw this on Mark Bullock's uh, Twitter feed. He got the safeties to rotate early with his hard count on that touchdown pass. So he was really doing a good job manipulating the defense early on. Uh, just a really a much smarter performance and you know seeing this kind of week-to-week growth from a rookie and from his first to second NFL game is really encouraging and if, if this trend continues I wrote an article this morning that basically says you know if this trend continues this was his first case for starting day one you know and if if it keeps going and if he's really benefiting from these uh, opportunities and using them to his advantage you really can't take him out so I, I was really excited he came here with a lot of the traits, but he needed to put it together. I think I underestimated his arm talent a little bit uh, watching his college shape, and I overestimated his readiness to play, but he's he's coming along very nicely, and uh, last night was a big stepping stone. Yeah, and I think if you look at the game last night, he had that one standout moment on that touchdown pass to Robert Davis. I mean, Davis broke open down the middle of the field. Like you said, Haskins was able to get the safeties to rotate early so he could see where he wanted to go. Uh, He hung in the pocket amongst pressure from the Bengals' defense. He took a hit, but he was looking downfield the whole time. He threw a perfect ball to Davis. Davis caught it in stride for the touchdown. And, you know, you you don't see a lot of rookie quarterbacks that are able to make a play like that in their second preseason game. And, look, we knew Haskins was talented coming into this. Uh, we, We knew he had the upside. It didn't look like he was quite ready in that first game. But now he's looking at least a little bit more ready in the second game. So now the big question becomes heading into the third preseason game, which always serves as the dress rehearsal for NFL teams, or at least it has in the past. I know some coaches employ different philosophies, but for Gruden, it's going to be a test of this first-team offense. The question that I have is, 
Should they mix him in with the ones? Should they let him and Case Keenum play with that first team and second team and see what they can do? Now, my initial thought on this is that he should be mixed in. Let's see what he can do with some better protection and some of the receivers that are going to be in the starting lineup. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that at the third preseason game? Yeah, I think he should too. I mean, people will try and pour some cold water on this performance and say, hey, he was playing against backups, but he was also playing behind a backup offensive line. And we saw the difference that the starting offensive line made. Case Keenum had more time to throw, uh, you know, and I think putting Haskins behind that line, we can really gauge how far he's come and how quickly he can process things behind a line that doesn't collapse on him as quickly. I think that's a big part of the uh, evaluation process this early. And I think you want to know what you have in him. Uh, you want to know what you have in him early and you want to know if he's ready to start in the regular season and if it won't hurt him. And so far, it hasn't hurt him. Uh, his opportunities have helped him. Now we got to see how does he fall in with the first team. I really think that's the next move uh, for Gruden. And I know they don't want to give it to him. You want your rookies to earn it. I think he's earned it based off of his growth from week one to week two. And Case Keenum, you know, a very solid spot starter. You know, he's the guy, if Haskins needed more time, then I would say, you know, start Keenum and ease Haskins in. But I really think I like the growth, uh, the mental growth that Haskins displayed. He's always been a sharp guy, uh, but we're seeing it applied now. And I think it's time for him to get his shot. It'll be harder playing against the first team defense, but it'll also be canceled out uh, because he'll have that better supporting cast around him and hopefully it'll glean better results. But it's time, you know, you spend a first round pick on the guy, you got to see what he brings to the table. Yeah, and I can see your point there. I, I'm actually still in the belief that Case Keenum is going to be the week one starter and probably at this point should be. While I'm encouraged by Haskins' growth, I want to see one more game where he really takes another step. And yeah. that, he'll have his chance to do that in the third preseason this, game. This game was the first step. This was his uh, official bid. You know, he's throwing his hat into the ring. He can start week one. He has to keep it going for the rest of preseason. We're not giving the job to him yet. If he has a down performance next week and then week four, still showing those inconsistencies, then maybe Keenum should start week one and they'll ease him in. But if he continues to go on this trend and if he continues to kind of apply the knowledge he's learned on the field in real time, like we've hoped that he would, um, then I think there's a reason to put him on the field. But yeah, it's still very much, the jury is still very much out to this point. It's just uh, judging the trends and stuff like that. Yeah, and the case for Keenum, uh, well, pardon me there. Uh, <laughs> nice, I, nice. It, it was low-hanging fruit. I had to go for it itself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Keenum hasn't stood out in either of the two preseason games. No. But... He has performed very solid. That first game, he was constantly under pressure, and when he was given time to make plays, he was solid. Yeah. Uh, but he, he didn't do anything particularly great in the second preseason game. He had some nice throws, and he had more time in the pocket playing with the starting offensive line, at least on the right side. Uh, that part of the line is solid. So you know that he can at least you know keep the offense afloat but he didn't lead any scoring drives I know his receivers didn't help him on certain occasions Brian Quick had a drop but it, it's one of those things where we'll see how those two battle for the job and at this point I think we're all counting Colt McCoy out because apparently he's still not healthy and uh that's a major red flag and you know McCoy really had his chance to win the starting job this year for the first time but that leg injury he suffered last year, it just keeps lingering. So I'm not even sure what the Redskins are going to do with him. I would assume they'd keep him around until he's healthy just to have another veteran on the squad. But uh, the whole Colt McCoy situation has certainly been odd this preseason. Yeah, it has. I think, you know, people have been speculating maybe they rushed him back from it, uh, which wouldn't be ideal. 
but um, yeah, it's it's interesting because he was the starter on the first depth chart, and now it's like he might start the season on the pup list, so no one really knows. It's crazy. But yeah, like you said, for now, it seems like it's a two-man race, uh, Keenum and Haskins. And before last night, you could have said it was a one-man race, you know, that Keenum basically had enough security given his experience as, you know, a spot starter and a, a decent starter in some spots to kind of keep the team afloat, like you said. Keenum isn't going to elevate the offense. You know, he'll keep it smooth sailing, but he's not going to do anything spectacular. He's not going to win games for you. Uh, Haskins, they drafted him because of his ability to potentially elevate this offense as a franchise quarterback. And I think uh, if he keeps, like I said, if he keeps trending, and you can make an argument for sitting him or starting him, there's there's reference points to go off of uh, in the past. You know, Patrick Mahomes is the most recent one for sitting him. He sat a year with Alex Smith mentoring him, came back and won the MVP. Carson Wentz for the Eagles played his rookie season, got that on-field experience and learned in real time, came back and was playing at an MVP caliber before he was injured at the end of the uh, 2017 season. So there's there's cases for both. It really depends on the specific prospect. You can't say that it worked for someone, which means it's going to work for this guy. You know, it really depends. And I think with Haskins specifically, he's shown enough growth over the past two weeks where we can say, hey, he might benefit from just staying on the field and just keep learning this way, especially with all the mentor presences that he has. Uh, but there's definitely two ways to go about it. It, it. I would rather go 4-12 and 12 with Haskins than go 8-8 eight and eight with Keenum. I mean, you're you're still not winning anything meaningful with Keenum, you know. It, it, and if you want to develop Haskins on the field, uh, I would rather do that. But uh, if Haskins shows he isn't ready, then th- that's a done deal too. We still got to see it play out. Yeah, and just one other note on those quarterbacks, you know, young guys with minimal experience playing early in their NFL careers. Mitchell Trubisky came into the league in 2017 as number two overall pick, despite being a one-year starter at UNC. Um, he didn't play, I think, the first month of the season or so, but he played 12 games as a rookie, went 4-8, and eight, only had seven touchdowns and seven picks. Next year, he comes out in 14 games, 11-3, and three, 24 touchdowns, 12 picks, and he gets the Bears to the playoffs. So, you know, there are a lot of examples you can point to of guys succeeding. There are also a lot of players who have succeeded with time on the bench. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, I think one thing that's obviously going to factor into this quarterback battle is the, the weapons surrounding Haskins and Keenum. Uh, the offensive line on the left side has been a particular problem for the team this preseason. Um in that, that first preseason game, they struggled immensely when playing with the backups. They looked a little bit better last night because the uh, you know center-right guard, right tackle combo of Chase Rulier, Brandon Sheriff, and Morgan Moses was on the field. Uh, but there's still some issues. And uh, right now, one of the biggest is that they have no left tackle with Trent Williams out. I thought Jerron Christian was horrible once again. <laughs> but Donald Penn didn't look too good either. So... Uh, I don't know, what What are your thoughts on that left tackle battle, that left side line, Ian? Uh, which way would you go, and what impact could that have on the team? Oh, I would start Donald Penn, uh, but I, it's not a situation to be confident in. Uh, you know, Penn has the experience. Uh, he has the technical prowess, uh, so I think I would go with him. But uh, as Robbie Duncan, OL, pointed out, we had him on the podcast a little bit ago, Penn struggled immensely against speed rushes last night. Uh, so you got to factor that in. So he's not a sure thing at left tackle, but he's better than Christian because Christian still has these mechanical flaws that 
they're just holding him back and really setting him behind, and uh, it's not looking good for him. He, he's got a roster spot, that, that's for sure. They're not going to just cut the cord, but he's definitely not ready to start. So you got to, just out of necessity, you have to put Penn back there and hope that maybe as he gets more integrated with the scheme, he can play with a little more intensity, a little more quality. So that's good. Eric Flowers, though, um, is showing a bit of promise at left guard. You know, still got a long way to go, uh, but uh, finishing plays, really hand fighting pretty well. There's stuff to like there, uh, Wes Martin, too. So I think I think left tackle is more of an issue than left guard at this point, honestly. Yeah, and I'll agree with you. I thought Eric Flowers last night showed some really big strides as he continues to learn that new position. I think the Redskins really didn't do him any favors. They brought him in to be a starter at guard, yet because of their tackle situation, they had to play him at left tackle early in camp. And I think that stunted his growth a little bit. Yeah. But uh, – you know, against the Bengals, he showed off that athletic ability, that hand-fighting ability that you mentioned at the guard position. Um, so I like what I saw out of him. Him or Wes Martin, I think, will be solid enough at left guard. At least we have some options there that aren't Sean Laval. So no offense to Sean, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you had five years. Didn't quite pan out there. But, yeah, I would go with Penn at left tackle, too. I think if he shakes off a little bit of the rust, like you mentioned, he'll be better. But, man, Jerron Christians has just been thrown around like a rag doll at times this preseason. And I know I was hoping that he'd make some sort of leap because he has the athletic ability needed to be a solid tackle. But, you know, that Morgan Moses-type leap that some were hoping for, it's not looking good. And if they can't get Trent Williams back, that's going to be one of the biggest problems on their offense, unless they could possibly swing a Trent Williams trade that nets them another solid left tackle that would fit their competitive timeline. But I think that would be very hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Not not this close to the regular season, I would imagine. Uh, it would have to be a master stroke. And even then, you know, you're he doesn't have a ton of time to get ready with the system and all that. So I, I don't think that's feasible. I think they... At this point, you just got to see what you got uh, in Donald Penn and kind of stay the course with that because it's not, it's not looking good. But the offensive line is not a one-position unit. It's five positions. They got three out of five right now, and it looks like they're working on a fourth. Blindside protector is very important, so hopefully Penn will get in but because um, that, that will hinder the offensive line a bit. But not, not a terrible unit like we were led to believe in the first preseason game, which is at least kind of encouraging, uh, especially if you're going to have Haskins playing behind it eventually. So... We'll see what happens, but he's got an outline. Jacob has an outline, and on that, he has a crying face next to Jerron Christian. That's a pretty accurate depiction of uh, the situation. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty sad because, you know, you're rooting for the guy to succeed. Yeah, yeah. It's just not happening. Cause, uh, but we're, we're missing Ty in second, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Man, lose, I, I always thought losing him was going to be a big deal, but not I never imagined it would be this big of a deal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep, it's it's been rough. It's been rough. People were talking about like, oh, we lost the swing tackle, but you know, we'll be fine. Nope, we're not fine. <laughs> nope. Of course, we didn't know about the Williams holdout at that time. Yeah, but, yeah, that, that kind of made things worse. That's for sure. Yeah, the front office probably could have seen it coming, though. But yeah. anyway, I digress as we talk about <laughs> the Bills card starting right tackle, Ty Anseki. Um uh, let's let's move on to another point on the offense. Uh, one one more intriguing position battle is the receiver battle. Um, you know, we don't really know how things are going to shake out there because a lot of the top guys haven't been playing. Paul Richardson hasn't played. Trey Quinn hasn't been on the field much, if at all, in the preseason. Even Terry McLaurin, I think, has only played one snap, and he sat out last night with a bruised tailbone. Uh, but that's given some younger guys an opportunity to make a chance or make their case for making the roster. 
Um, I know Robert Davis has had a long touchdown in a couple of weeks. Uh, Kelvin Harmon was a favorite of yours coming out, Ian. And Darvin Kinsey's made a good case. So uh, what have you liked out of the receivers? And who, who are you thinking is going to take down those uh, final spots on the roster? Man, it's, it's interesting. After the first week, I was a little... I was a little hesitant to anoint Robert Davis the champion. You know, I thought he got that touchdown, but uh, it was it was kind of a defensive breakdown that left him wide open. Now, he did a good job to draw the pass interference on the drive before. Um, I wanted to see more, and we did see more from him last night. He really showed his speed over the top. A big play threat. That's what Robert Davis is, and I think he's starting to gain momentum. I think he passed Darvin Kidsey with his performance last night, which is good. Kidsey only... Had two catches for five yards. Um, but Kidsey in week one, he he had he was a great receiver too. You know, he was showing. I think Kidsey has a little more versatility at this point. Uh, he showed the ability to high point balls, which is good because Haskins does tend to sail them a little high when he does miss. And uh, Kidsey was doing well there. Um, but I think I think those two are kind of neck and neck. Davis has the edge again now. But if they're fighting for that last spot, I really like Davis. Uh, they're both elite athletes. That's the thing. Like this is. Very exciting because you don't normally come across two elite athletes like this late. I know um, Kidsey was undrafted. Davis was a sixth-round pick, and they're out here duking it out. I, I, I don't know if either one makes the roster, but I would love to keep both of them if I could just because of that potential. Uh, I would have Kelvin Harmon behind them in third place at this point. We've seen his lack of speed up close now, which it is kind of concerning. He's not really able to separate that much, but man, if he isn't great at contested catches too. I mean, last night he was contorting in midair. Uh, to get these catches, and both of them were called back, pass interference penalties, which that's something else, but we won't waste time talking about that. But um, he's um, just great focus at the catch point. I think uh, when you have three guys like this at the bottom of your receiving core, they could get more opportunities late in the season, but it really speaks to, you know, it's not a proven unit. It could, it might not even be a good unit. Uh, we'll find out, but it, it, there's certainly some depth there, which is intriguing and exciting uh, as the weeks go on. One thing that I have never heard in my life in watching an NFL game is hear a color analyst scream what in as indignant of a tone as yeah. Joe Theismann did last night when yeah. Melvin Harmon's OPI was called for the first time. That was crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a horrible call. If you want more <laughs> on that, check out my studs and duds where we uh, talk about how bad the officials are. I don't usually complain about – well, I do. I'm from Boston. I complain <laughs> about officials all the time. But I don't usually write about it. Um, but, yeah, that uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Davis, what I've seen this preseason. I think he's got that field-stretching ability, the size, the athletic ability. Think if not for his injury last preseason, he might have made the squad then. Um, Kelvin Harmon, I'm in the same boat as you. I like his skill set, but that lack of separation, I think, is maybe going to keep him off the roster. Um, he may make it to the practice squad, or, uh, you know, he might get scooped up by someone else. I read John Time, I think, tweeted this, or maybe J.P. Finlay, but the Redskins are likely going to have to cut a receiver that they don't want to cut that could end up on another roster. So. Yeah. It's just because of the depth they have. Even Cam Sims, like, I haven't loved what I've seen out of him in preseason, but he's been great in camp by all accounts, so he might be on the roster. The big question, I think, moving forward is, is Josh Doxson going to be safe? Are they going to cut him? Are they going to trade him? Or are they going to keep him? Because, you know, he hasn't shown much to date. He's been solid at times. But I, I'm sort of getting to a point where if – if the receivers on the team play well again in the third preseason game, I might be willing to offload Doxon for a conditional late round pick, depending on, you know, 
what's out there for him. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I should write about this because I feel like we haven't yet, but it really doesn't make sense to keep Doxon. I mean, you know he's not going to be here next year. Uh, you know he's not going to be here next year. And you know he probably isn't going to have this major leap this year. You know that you like uh, receivers that are farther back on the depth chart and you want to give them more opportunities. Uh, there's an easy way to free up a spot, and that's cut Doxon. I know some people who read our stuff, they've been banging that they've been they've been ringing that bell uh this whole off season and you know it seems like the sensible thing to do uh, honestly try and get something for him even if it's a seventh rounder you know I, I don't think you're gonna get much but if he doesn't have a future here and if he doesn't have traits that separate him enough from guys like robert davis then maybe you should just give davis that spot and give Doxon his clean slate early and just call it good i mean i feel like that's the that's the thing that makes sense but we know the Redskins they like to entrench guys in the starting positions sometimes and just stay the course no matter what and uh it's gonna be interesting to see I I would see what I can get gauge the interest and maybe there's nothing there uh but um, I'm sure there are a few teams that are kind of thin on receivers that could use a guy like Docs and I feel like and maybe give him a, a, a another chance a second chance but I don't know I guess we'll see he's a, he, he's an elite athlete too so I feel like there would be some interest I know the Patriots are thin at receiver because I yeah. cover the Patriots for my <laughs> other job. And uh, I don't know if they'd be willing to trade for Doxon, but they Bill got, Belichick's... They got Maurice Harris, though. They're good. They do have Maurice Harris. They got <laughs> Jacoby Myers, who I love. But, you know, Bill Belichick's always looking to wheel and deal, take chances on guys. So, you know, maybe they, maybe we can convince the Patriots to do a conditional late-round pick for him. But uh, you never know. We'll keep an eye on Doxon. Uh but enough about the offense. We've talked plenty about them at this point. A lot. Uh, one of the most encouraging things I saw in last night's game, the starting defense with the addition of Landon Collins, the performance of Josh Harvey Clemens and John Bostic, a linebacker, that unit looks terrific. And it really has the makings of what could be a top five defense, I think, if they're able to play that way in the regular season. Now, I know they were playing against the Bengals, so we shouldn't get too, too excited. They're playing the preseason Bengals. Yeah. But I really thought that defensive unit altogether looked very, very strong. Yeah, I would I would say, I wouldn't say top five quite yet. Uh, maybe not even, maybe like just outside the top ten. I think Bostic, to me, he's a solid run defender, but there were times where uh, in coverage he kind of lost a step and uh, got beat down the middle. I did really like Harvey Clemens, though. Dude, that guy, he's got potential. He's a homing missile on the field, but he's 6'4". He's put on a ton of good weight. Uh, just he looks, he looks ready to take on an increased role. And I, I'm excited for that. And maybe because it seems like they're looking for a, a missing piece in that inside linebacker core now with uh, – with Reuben Foster gone and with Sean Dion Hamilton nursing injury, uh, you know, because that's the missing piece. Because your defensive line, uh, they were getting pressure. They were they were penetrating pretty well. I would have liked to see a little more consistency from the edge guys, but uh, Deron Payne got his hand in the passing lane at one point, tipped it, and Monte Nicholson returned it for a touchdown. Uh, just a great opportunistic performance from the defense. And uh, the inside linebacker core, you can tell that those guys are really taking advantage of these chances. And I, I like if, if I were a decision maker, I would give Harvey Clemens more snaps with the ones and see if he can kind of take this role for the long haul. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. He was so good last night, and he just he looked ready to play. He looked like he wanted to be out there. Um, and, you know, if you can mix up three guys in that linebacker role with Hamilton, Bostic, and Harvey Clemens out there a lot, um, 
that could really be beneficial to the core. Because like you said, Bostic isn't great in coverage. Deion Hamilton has a little bit better athletic ability than Bostic, so maybe he'll be better in coverage. Harvey Clemens is a converted safety. And obviously Cole Holcomb will have a chance to make some plays too. He, he was out last night, I believe, with a sore shoulder, um, yep. just precautionary. Um, but that unit's starting to shape up to be a little bit exciting with Harvey Clemens. Um, I know um, Montez Sweat also played for the first time last night. He was out on the edge. Um, he didn't have any sort of like big, impactful game, but he, he had a couple plays where he showed off his potential, and it was his first NFL action. Um, he almost got to the quarterback once. He just got pushed away from him when he stepped up in the pocket. So um, I thought his performance was encouraging, and if he can continue to grow and get a little bit quicker off the ball like he was in college, um, I think that's going to have a big impact on the defense. But yeah. overall, we're looking at a, what I think is a very strong unit. And maybe I'm overhyping it for now, but, you know, they're, they've got some strong starters. But, of course, the issue overall with this team is I think they lack quality depth overall because we saw that first unit defense play so well. And then when they came out of the game, the Bengals were really able to start moving the ball a lot more. So... That speaks volumes about why injuries have been such a huge issue, particularly for the Redskins in recent years, because the depth they have isn't particularly good. Yeah, and part of that part of that is coaching guys up because they have guys in those depth wings that have the traits. It's just you gotta coach them up, get them in the right situations, in the right position. And I think uh, I'd say it's a it's it's a complicated give and take, and they're gonna have to master it at some point because the depth has been an issue for a long time. And every off season we say, oh, you know, on paper. The depth looks better, but ultimately you gotta, you know, you gotta see that through. You can't just rely on the talent that's there. Uh, you gotta put them in the right position. I, I think, um, I think the defense is a little deeper than the offense, but like you said, all all the way around, it's kind of an issue that needs to be addressed. And if the uh, if the injuries continue, that's definitely a definitely a thing that could send the season awry for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, I th- I think we're coming up to close to the end of this podcast at yeah. this point so uh uh but let's clo- let's close it out with this what there's always some roster dark horses some guys that are going to make the 53-man roster or have a chance at it in the preseason um they emerge over the course of the weeks uh who do you like as a potential roster dark horse at this point who's your guy that you're pounding the table for for that 53rd spot you know last week it was darvin kidsey uh this week it's robert davis i if I can pick two, I'm going to pick those two guys because, like, Robert Davis, uh, I, I really like what I've seen from him. He's 6'3", uh, 6'3", but really, really uh, well-built as well. And he, you know, it looks like he's still got that 4'4 speed. Uh, we were kind of unsure coming back from such an, a severe leg injury if he'd be able to maintain such a, you know, that, that kind of speed. But he definitely still has it because he took the top off of the Bengals defense and he took, you know, he, he got pretty open against the uh, Browns and, I want to see him route run a bit more. I want to see him kind of manipulate defensive backs a little bit more. But uh, you can really tell he has the traits. And if you just stick with him, put him on the roster, and give him a year to grow uh, with the with the coaches close up and personal and get those opportunities, I really like the potential he has. Uh, Kidsy, too, you know, a lead athlete with great quickness. And he was route running a little bit. Uh, we saw him use his feet and use his uh, balance and athleticism to get open in the first game. And, he he had it used his vertical to high points and passes. He he's the whole package too, and he can play all three receiver positions. Uh, Davis is uh, 
he, he's a really good boundary uh, mold. So that will, that would be exciting. But so those are, those are my two guys that I really like. And if I could keep seven receivers, I, I would. That's one of the positions where I'm like, hey, the more the merrier. Get as many capable weapons as you can, even if it means uh, cutting another position a little bit short. But uh, a lot of good traits to like in that group. Yeah, and I definitely see the case for keeping seven receivers. I mean, you have so many developmental guys. And, you know, at a group where you don't have anything proven, it's good to have extra guys around to see what you can get out of there. Uh, normally, my pick for this would be Samaj P. Ryan, but I am officially <laughs> stepping down as the Samaj P. Oh, Ryan. Oh, no. We got uh, to play a recording of taps real quick. I know. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm off the Samaj P. Ryan hype train. I, uh, you know, he didn't show anything in this past game. So, uh, I, if I'm the Redskins, I actually consider keeping three running backs, but that's a topic for another day. Keep an eye out on the website. I'll be talking about that in an article upcoming. Uh, so... Yeah, some shameless self-promotion there. But uh, <laughs> my guy is going to be Ryan B. on the defensive line. Uh, the six-seven dude came out of Marshall, undrafted free agent this year. He was the best of their undrafted crop, but he's kind of flown under the radar because that defensive line is so stacked. And many people have assumed that they're going to only keep five on that unit. But people forget, most of the past two years, they've had six on the unit. Uh, last year, to start the season, they had Ziggy Hood. Uh, they cut him after a while because Caleb Brantley showed well, uh, but they eventually activated Stacy McGee. So they had six for about 75% of the season. Brantley right now is dealing with a Liz Frank injury, and those things can be tricky. Uh, John Allen suffered one, I think, after like week six of his rookie year and was out for the season. So I don't know how healthy Brantley is, but if they're worried about him, keeping B around would be a good idea. He's shown some stuff as an interior pass rusher. He had a nice spin move and almost got Jeff Driscoll last night. Um, so I would be excited to see him make the roster. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, but unfortunately we are out of time right now. Thank you guys as always for listening to the Rigos rag podcast and, uh, keep it here for all your latest Redskins news and updates. We'll be back again soon. Have a good night and peace out. Hey,